Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborne. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are so excited to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Today is the feast of St. Luke the Evangelist, and this hour we'll be unpacking the mystery of redemptive suffering with our friends Angela Bonfont and Father Daniel Bowen. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. Good to see you remotely, yeah. and we'll, we'll explain that in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Can you start us with a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we, we praise you for today. We thank you for your goodness, all your many gifts to us, your graciousness, and your love. Lord, we ask that you stretch our hearts more to love you even more. We ask that you enter into those recesses of our hearts that are hurt and don't know how to love you and are struggling. And we offer that to you. And we ask for your mercy and for your help in those areas. We ask that you teach us how to love one another as, as you truly love. And we offer our days and everything that's going to be in today, we offer it to you for your glory and for your goodness. And we offer this through the intercession of Mary and through Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm looking at Amanda via FaceTime <laughs> because Amanda is in Birmingham, Alabama. That's right. Hi, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I, I, I will probably come back with a Southern accent. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I pick up on accents way too easily. Why are you in Birmingham? Well, because we're here for the EWTN conference. Um, it's going today, actually. So it started yesterday. We had a great reception uh, that Catholic Answers hosted. And so I got to meet some people. And then today we'll be at the Shrine of the Most Blessed Sacrament. And we'll have a day of retreat and mass and get to see the grounds and pray the rosary and a talk. So, Yeah. An opportunity to connect and see what our other um, brothers and sisters in Christ are doing in different radio Catholic radio stations. Did he have the opportunity to meet Cy Kellett last night? Oh, no, I did not. Oh, you have to meet him while you're down there. Great guy. Okay, I will. Wonderful, wonderful person. But Bill sent me a picture of your dinner. <laughs> yeah, we had barbecue last night. So, of course... In my opinion, I'm just like, if I'm going to have barbecue, I got to have ribs. So I got a half rack of ribs and some slaw and all the good stuff, all the trimmings. And dessert. And dessert, one of, my of favorites. course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Banana pudding. Oh, mm. Excellent. Excellent suggestion, Dave. It was so good. <laughs> With a vanilla wafer. Yeah. Right? Or vanilla yeah. wafers. You know mm. what? I think they were homemade, really. I don't think they were just the store-bought vanilla wafers. They they were tasty. Authentic. Yeah. And and your server, was this at the restaurant or at the hotel, took care of you this morning with breakfast? No. 
Yeah, that was so sweet. So he was uh, he was a server last night, and then I popped into the breakfast room this morning early because I wanted to be prepared to join all of our friends in the cafe. And so I said, is it okay if I just grab something real quick for breakfast? Because I, otherwise I would have missed it. And he was so sweet. He's like, yeah, you can tell all your radio friends that Paul took care of you. We'll get you something before you get on. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I love this Southern hospitality. <laughs> yeah, so sweet. And that was and one, a breakfast of? Yeah, I had grits. Continuing the theme of a Southern living. Yeah, I'm just loving it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and I also had some really great conversations last night um, at the the Catholic Answers reception and getting to meet some of the other stations. And I was struck by two of the conversations I had where asking them how how it was that they were part of radio and actually two of them were the ones that helped start Catholic radio in their area and I said so how did that even come about and both of them shared I just heard it in prayer Hmm. and I was just struck by the beauty of that of just one they're really listening to our Lord and what he wants Um, Two, the faithfulness that it takes to hear him trust that he's calling calling you and then put it into action I think that also takes a lot of courage so Yeah, I was just struck by the importance that everyone is giving to prayer and and putting all the programming on and listening to our Lord and then taking the courage to step out and actually do it. So, yeah, really encouraging, really beautiful. You're going to meet a lot of amazing people uh, there at the conference, and and that story is repeated over and over again of, uh, of being called and then responding and in many, many cases, very sacrificially, they don't have an apostolate around them or a, a base of donors uh, when they're starting out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like us. I mean, it was uh, uh, Chris uh, Gerbralchek took it on himself when he felt called to start St. Gabriel Radio to the point where he took out mortgages on his home and put a lot online just just to bring St. Gabriel to the airwaves. And then you build, you build a a ministry around that and invite the community uh, into the apostolate. And that's what St. Gabriel's become is Mm -hmm. uh, very much a community-based local apostolate to, to evangelize and spread the, the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. So it's beautiful to be a part of, and it's, it's really nice to, have the opportunity to be out here with the EWTN conference to to get more of a sense of that. And you've never been to the shrine, right? No, never. So I'm really excited for today. Pray for us. Yeah, I will. Oh, actually, that's a good point, Dave. Um, I had this thought this morning. If if all of our friends would like to lift up their intentions right now, um, just in your hearts, you know, everyone in their day lifting up their intentions to our Lord. When I go to the shrine today, I I will say before our Lord, all of your intentions that everyone has in their hearts, I'll I'll take them to the shrine with me. Our Lord knows them. Excellent idea. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for doing that. Our friends, Angela and Father Daniel are with us here in the cafe. Amanda? 
Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. And we wanted to, we're going to be uh, talking about the mystery of redemptive suffering this morning. And Father Daniel, I know you have a prayer that can open our our discussion. And Amanda, you had a special intention. Or I'm sorry, uh, Angela. <laughs> too many, I too do. many A names. I do. I just wanted to um, lift up Kristen and her family in prayer. They lost um, a two-year-old uh, within the last several weeks. And I know there's great suffering going on there right now. And, um, I just wanted to ask all of our listeners and everyone to lift them all up in prayer and to keep them in your prayers. Yeah. Father, can you lead us in prayer? Absolutely. Be glad to in the name of the father and the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus model of true holiness. No goodness is worthy of heaven unless it is inspired by your grace. To be like you is our greatest glory. We believe this truth, and we desire to follow it in our daily lives. Help us to understand more fully you and your way better, so that we may think like you and act like you. The worst thing in the world is not suffering, nor disgrace, nor human failures, but the worst thing is sin. In fact, there must be something great about sufferings and trials, Lord, since you embraced them in your earthly life. Help us to see the eternal good which lies in earthly adversity. As far as it is good for each of us, help us to desire to suffer more than we now do. If for no other reason, we desire it in order to be more like you, our suffering Savior. May we never again look on sufferings and adversity as something to be hated and avoided when they come from your hand. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. That was beautiful. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. It works nicely, of course, with uh, this paragraph from the Catechism. Uh, this is paragraph 1505. And friends, I invite you to write that down, 1505, and spend some time with this passage today. The Catechism says, Moved by so much suffering, Christ not only allows himself to be touched by the sick, but he makes their miseries his own. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. But he did not heal all the sick. His healings were signs of the coming of the kingdom of God. They announced a more radical healing, the victory over sin and death through his Passover. On the cross, Christ took upon himself the whole weight of evil and took away the sin of the world of which illness is only a consequence. By his passion and death on the cross, Christ has given a new meaning to suffering. It can henceforth configure us to him and unite us with his redemptive passion. Mm. Configure us to him and unite us with his redemptive passion. 
I think that's what St. Paul talks about, isn't it? When he's discussing um, be suffering, bearing his sufferings um, to be like Christ, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. It's hard to think of that when we're going through sufferings in our lifetime, um, especially when they're big and scary. And um, leaning into, I just think redemptive suffering is one of the most beautiful teachings of the Catholic Church, and it's brilliant because it gives meaning to what we're going through. Yeah, it brings, why do we suffer, right? We can always think this, why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow good people to suffer, right? Uh, Why do we have to take up the cross to follow Jesus as he asks us? And um, the church has the answer for that question, which is beyond even the Christian realm. These are questions that people of all times and all ages and uh, have asked. And the beautiful thing is, uh, even more recently, uh, on the Feast of Our Lady of Lords in the year 1984, St. John Paul II, uh, some would say the great, I would say the great, wrote a beautiful <laughs> apostolic letter entitled, Salvificis Dolores, which is Latin for on the meaning of suffering or the Christian meaning of human suffering. It's a beautiful um, address to this, a beautiful uh, exhortation on this question. And he offers many great insights into that question of suffering. Uh, and I would urge everyone, if, if you've never heard of this before, on human suffering, John Paul II, on human suffering, John Paul II, I'll say it one more time, <laughs> on human suffering, John Paul II, you could type that in your search engine, in your computer, on your smartphone, and immediately can come to you either at the EWTN library or at the Vatican.va, the actual text, which you can read for yourself and pray with. And I urge you, I encourage you to, because what John Paul has brought, again, the gift of him and his great genius and insight and holiness to this subject uh, will will be encouraging, will be inspiring, and will, will help you to forever look on this subject in a new, different way. And in in this uh, letter that he uh, that he wrote, Salvicis Dolores, he looks at all those important passages in sacred scripture that address the question of suffering. So his letter is really a beautiful commentary, even on the passages in our sacred scriptures on this mystery of suffering. And he even says in paragraph six, he describes the Bible, our Bible, as a great book about suffering. Because in the sacred scriptures, we see man experiencing all kinds of painful situations. And whenever we suffer, we experience evil. So then that becomes a question, what, what is evil? And John Paul answers in paragraph seven that evil is a distortion of good. But why do we suffer? So to answer this, Pope John Paul brings us to the book of Job, right, in the Old Testament. And he says that Job, of course, we know was a just man who lost his sons and his daughters as well as all of his possessions. His friends came to visit him and told him he must have sinned and done something wrong. You know, it's your fault that you have these problems. (laughs) But, but, But that wasn't true, right? Job was a just and an honest man. And his friend's explanation of his sufferings was incorrect. But that it was the only way at that time, before Jesus, that they could explain the suffering that he was undergoing. 
So Job's friends expressed a truth in the conscience of humanity that sin deserves punishment. To understand the true answer to the why of suffering, we must look at the revelation of God's love, which the fullest expression is Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. Hmm. Love is also the richest source of the meaning of suffering, which always remains a mystery. We are conscious of the insufficiencies and the inadequacies of our explanations. Christ causes us to enter into the mystery and to discover the why of suffering as far as we're capable of grasping the sublimity of divine love. So John Paul continues. He's by quoting from John chapter three, verse 16, a favorite, I think of Christians everywhere Mm -hmm. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So Jesus was given to us to protect us from the definitive suffering and evil, which is death. And therefore he must conquer sin and death. Jesus overcame sin. How? By being obedient to his father, even unto death. And he overcame death by his resurrection. So although we still suffer, Christ's victory over sin and death throws a new light upon this dimension and upon every suffering, the light of salvation. Jesus especially ministered to those who suffered, and at the heart of his teaching, there are the eight Beatitudes, which are addressed to people tried by various sufferings in their temporal life. Jesus often spoke to his disciples of the suffering and death that awaited him, as we hear in the gospel. And precisely by means of his cross, he must strike at the roots of evil, planted in the history of man and in human souls. And precisely by means of his cross, he must accomplish the work of salvation. And this is why Jesus rebukes Peter, right? When we hear in the scriptures where where Peter suggests that Jesus shouldn't suffer, God forbid. For the same reason, when Peter tried to defend Jesus in Gethsemane, Jesus told him to put his sword away. This that's Matthew 26, 52. And he said he should drink the cup given him by the Father. John chapter 18, verse 11. Even the prophet Isaiah had predicted Jesus saving us. How? By his passion. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our sins, crushed for our iniquity, He bore the punishment that makes us whole. By his wounds, we were healed. Jesus' suffering is substitutive suffering. Suffering instead of us, it is redemptive. Therefore, Pope John Paul says, Jesus has given us the answer to the question about the meaning of suffering. Not only by his teaching, which is great and Mm. wonderful and beautiful and important, but above all by his suffering. In the passion of Jesus, something new has been added to our understanding of suffering. It's been linked to love. Mm. Love. Because of the passion of Jesus, there is a new situation for all human suffering. Just as Job was able to say in his sufferings, I know that my Redeemer lives. 
Therefore, each man, each woman, in his or her suffering, can also become a sharer in the redemptive suffering of Jesus Christ. St. Paul, we have to go there, right? He writes, <laughs> he, he writes about sharing in the suffering of Christ. Uh, to quote him in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 to 11, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. And then in Romans 12.1, Paul urges us, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So friends, if we share our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ, we rediscover them through faith enriched with a new content and a new meaning. Therefore, St. Paul writes to those Galatians in chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live no longer I, but Christ lives in me. When we share our sufferings with Christ, we suffer for the kingdom, and through our suffering, we become mature enough to enter his kingdom. Therefore, John Paul II, in this beautiful reflection, he saw suffering contained, quote, suffering contains a special call to the virtue, a special call to the virtue of perseverance in bearing whatever disturbs and whatever causes harm. It's in paragraph 23. And Pope John Paul II points out what Paul went a stage further in understanding suffering in his letter to the Colossians, where he says, in my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. So does this mean, the question might be raised by some, does this mean that uh, redemption was not fully accomplished by Christ? And the answer, of course, is no. <laughs> it only means that the redemption accomplished through satisfactory love remains always open to all love expressed in human suffering across all times and all ages and all situations. Christ achieved the redemption completely and to the very limits, but at the same time, he did not bring it to a close. Mm -hmm. Yes, it seems to be part of the very essence of Christ's redemptive suffering, that the suffering requires to be unceasingly completed. So John Paul II explains that it's precisely in the church, the body of Christ, that the suffering of Christ is completed. Since it is the church, that we unite our human sufferings with the sufferings of Christ. And this also highlights the divine and the human nature of the church, intertwined, inseparable. So when we suffer, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we experience evil, and evil is a distortion of the good. 
But John Paul II, again, using the scriptures so masterfully in Salvificis Dolores on human suffering, to enter into an explanation of the Christian meaning of human suffering gives us so much to reflect upon, to embrace and understand. The meaning of suffering is given us above all in Jesus' suffering, which is his love for us, for our redemption. And when we share our sufferings with Jesus, when we unite our sufferings to him, when we place our sufferings in the holy wounds of Jesus, still in his hands and his side and on his skull in heaven, when we share our sufferings with Jesus, we suffer for the kingdom and we grow in virtue. And we, you and I, my friends, complete Christ's afflictions for the sake of of the church. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, I'm just going to back up a little bit because of Father, I think you actually gave a really key word there. Um, you said substitutive suffering. Mm-hmm. And I actually really appreciate that word substitutive because redemptive suffering to me sometimes I'm like well what does that mean like I know what it means but how do you actually do it and I don't know the word substitute just really stood out to me because it's like yes like if I want to suffer um, or offer up this suffering it's like a a substitute out of love I that that word just kind of stuck out to me a little bit it helped me understand it a little more Absolutely. And he goes at specifically that's in paragraph 17 of the document. So you definitely want to visit there 17, 18, that, that area of the document, he gets more into that. But again, it's this, this idea, uh, again, uh, that the suffering is not a separate thing. It's, it's part of our, our condition and who we are. It has complete meaning. And so in the sense of it being a, a component of love, Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is just kind of changing our mind mm-hmm. and how do we perceive this? Do we see suffering as a blessing or as a gift, something bestowed right. upon us to carry us further in holiness and virtue uh, to be one, even one who is suffering, right? To be in a vulnerable situation to summons others to us, to point them to Jesus, all of these different aspects and avenues, mm-hmm. you know? Father, as you were sharing um, JP2's letter, the word that kept coming to mind was gift, and you just mentioned it just now as well. Do we do we see our suffering as a burden, or do we see it as a gift? There it is. And uh, you, even in your opening prayer, prayed, help us desire it more. Well, why would we desire it more if it if it if it wasn't a gift? That's it. Exactly right. And again, we're to conform our life to Christ. And uh, an aspect of Jesus's life, right, is that he suffered, right? And even, it was not always easy for Jesus, right? We'd go to the Garden of Gethsemane before his passion. Father, if this cup can pass, let it pass, but not my will, but thy will be done. There's an aspect of suffering that must, must go in this direction, you know? And I think probably in our fallenness and our brokenness, we, we don't, we don't see things properly, right? Again, we can't see things from a God's perspective entirely in this moment, in this time, and in this way. But to, to begin to put on the mind of Christ is to begin to see suffering 
as a great blessing and a, and a way to purify us, to, to call a summon, summon something out of us and even those around us, something that maybe they're not aware of, right? When we care for a sick loved one, it can be a burden, right? It can be difficult and it just on the face value of it, why are you doing this? Or, oh, they're taking me out of my schedule, what I want to do. But that's the point. It's taking you away from you. So you mm-hmm. stop worshiping the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I and start loving in the way of the, the true relationship, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. Father, Father Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> well, Father Daniel and Angela. Um, we're, so we're talking about this idea of redemptive suffering. And Angela, I know you've been in the cafe before and we've kind of yes. touched on this. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts? I always, my favorite saying is don't waste your suffering. Mm-hmm. Because um, that's a very powerful prayer when you say Jesus. And a lot of people ask me how to do this, but just say, Jesus, please take my suffering and unite it to your cross. And I offer this to you for, and whatever intentions or prayers, or maybe it's for the souls in purgatory, or perhaps it's for our country or for our state or, or for someone, you know, is suffering. And I think it's really difficult in the moment of great suffering to be able to, to say, this is good, right? Like this is part of what God wills for my life. And in those moments, I think you just ask the Lord to take it and say, help me. Can you help me right now? Because I need the strength to stand in this moment and know that this will be a purifying process um, for my soul and for the souls of those around me, perhaps, that I could stand in the suffering. And I always say, don't, don't fight it, surrender to it. And Mm. um, that to me was huge when I went through great suffering and we've talked about this, but with cancer, just saying to the Lord, okay, I surrender to this because this is your holy will and whatever the outcome will be, I know that it's for the good. You'll take care of my family. You'll take care of me. If I survive this, that'll be wonderful. If I don't, then you'll take care of those that I love and that's okay. And it gave me a great sense of peace in that moment. And I, I always struggle when someone says they're fighting the battle because we don't fight the battle alone. Christ fights it for us. And so always lifting it up to him and allowing him to be the one for his glory to come through these sufferings and show us his intentions in it. Mm-hmm. I think about, you know, we we're talking about uh, St. John Paul II also, and what a, uh, a model uh, of suffering yes. yeah yeah right he, he wrote up this with in him. 1984 he right. wrote this in 1984 he's only a few years into his pontificate mm-hmm. and then he lived it before in such a beautiful eyes. way yeah right as his parkinson's right. crippled his body right yes. we we saw him live it out in a dignified manner embracing it again he was athletic he downhill skied he was very yeah. active and talented but yet even he was not immune right of suffering mm-hmm. right And do we see the gift in that, right? Do we see him leading by example, leading the charge to say, look, this is transforming me and making me into the saint. You know, I'm being that saint that got, and and now of course, through his canonization, right? (laughs) The church has said, yeah, he's there. Do you remember that moment right near, near the end when he was trying to talk and and the Mm -hmm. words Mm -hmm. just wouldn't come out and you could just then see the surrender yeah you know, he just you know kind of sat back 
and, and surrendered it. That, that probably was, was the last beautiful. image we had of him. I think that wasn't that the Easter right before his yeah, passing. Right, yeah, right during Holy Week. Yeah. And and thank God for for technology. Yeah. yeah. In, in this respect yeah. where we're able to watch the entire world was able to be with John Paul II and be united in his suffering also yeah. to the to the cross. An amazing, amazing moment. Absolutely. One of the uh, JP2 stories that sticks out to me, maybe this is a lesser known story, we're, we're talking about the way that he lived out suffering a lot of ways after, uh, I mean, in and around and after writing this uh, document that we were talking about on air. And one of the stories that stands out to me is actually just like a simple suffering story. There's a, I heard from a friend, I Googled it a moment ago because I was like, I want to make sure this is real, yeah. um, where he was getting out of his... Uh, getting out of a car he was like being chauffeured somewhere and the driver thought he was all the way out and so pushed the door like slammed the door oh, shut right oh. jp2's hand was still in the door and mm. so it caught the edge of his hand i mean everyone can relate to that experience you know <laughs> of getting your hand slammed in a door and there was just this moment where jp2 just goes ah thank you jesus for loving me this way <laughs> thank you jesus for loving me this way and i was like mm. i am holier than me in that yeah way, probably wouldn't have been my first words <laughs> no yeah. right yeah. but praise but god just right? like that moment of recognizing the gift that moment of recognizing mm. lord you you I, i'm sure like jesus doesn't want our hand to get slammed in the door but lord you permitted this yeah. in your love for me to grow me in holiness and JP2, just like with the eyes to recognize that in the moment, I just think that's such a beautiful story. It is a beautiful story. Yeah. I've never heard that Thanks, one. Thank Kim. you for sharing yeah. that. What I'm struck by this story and, you know, seeing him through his Parkinson's and everything is that he didn't hide it, Yeah. that he allowed the world to see his suffering. And I mean, we're still talking about it. And I've mm -hmm. heard other people talk about it, this idea of he, him allowing the world to see his suffering and the fact that we still talk about him showing us his suffering really, I think has impacted us, uh, impacted us all and think about, you know, the great example, great suffering, like Angela, I think of your story. I'm sure maybe the nurses saw you suffering those who were not close to Christ and wondered how is it that she could have such calm? How is it that she could have such faith or even joy amidst all this and I think there's a great example to be learned in suffering well there is a great and and you know it's interesting because when you see Saint like Saint John Paul II he was a perfect example of that but when you see him suffering but he's joyous and he's thankful mm -hmm. and he's so holy like we all know holiness when we see it um, and I think we all see Christ in others when we see it whether or not we recognize it as such and I do think that when you're going through suffering and you're suffering well, it's a great example to the world because we're living in a time where we have a lo large loss of faith, a large loss of the practice of faith, and people are lost. We have high suicide rates, anxiety, depression, uh, divorce. You know, there's so much, so much going on in the world that people can't make sense of. So if we can offer our suffering in a way and walk in it in a way that shows people that this is okay, that this is part of, of what we do while we're here on earth. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you in the suffering. I'm going to offer this to you and join it up to the cross 
and carry our cross well, it is a great example to the world of what it can look like, of what Christ looks like. And how many of us pray the morning offering each morning, right? Yeah. That's, I offer uh-huh. you all my prayers, mm-hmm. works, joys, and sufferings, sufferings. <laughs> everything. Christ gave everything. And we have this opportunity, this gift to be able to offer everything back to him. That's right. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's, it's a two way street. I guess we don't think about it this way, right? We go to communion, we drink his, but we eat his flesh and drink his blood, right? And it's intermingling with our, with our blood and our reality and existence. So we bring our sufferings to that. We're part of the body of Christ, you know, and again, this is the importance of why having a crucifix in every room of your house, not mm. just a cross, but with the corpus, right? So the reminder of what love truly is, it's giving yourself completely, right? We see him nailed to the cross, right? Again, the, the, the odd paradox of this image of a very gruesome thing being really the love, right? Being exemplified to us and that summons for us, we look upon the crucifix, we see it there and we can be encouraged and supported knowing that our sufferings united to his sufferings, you know, uh, uh, are not worthless or meaningless, but completely transformative uh, and meant to be part of the whole, um, the whole salvation history, right? We get to play a role in that, you know, whether we think of it like it's a huge, big thing, just the little things, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. All of it matters, right? And God hears every one of our prayers and sees every one of our situations. Not like He forgot about us. You know? <laughs> well, that's like we a, think that. You yeah, know, but, yeah, yeah. In Matthew twenty-eight, right? Uh, Jesus tells us, I'll, "I'll be with you always, always." And there, there's one sentence here in in paragraph ten uh, from Pope Saint, Saint John Paul II's the document. Man can put this question to God, the, the question of, uh, of suffering, with all the emotion of his heart and with his mind full of dismay and anxiety. Get this. And God expects the question and listens to it. <laughs> yes. He's expecting, he's expecting us to turn to him. Mm-hmm. And isn't that just yeah. beautiful that, that he's already there, mm-hmm. you know, waiting waiting for us to turn to him with all of our prayers, all of our works, joys, and sufferings, and bring it all to him, especially on the cross. That's what he wants. That's what he that, wants. You know, and, that and, makes me... And oh, we, resist sorry, it. we resist it for some reason, you know, <laughs> but we shouldn't. <laughs> right. His arms are wide open. He wants to embrace us, you know. That makes me think of Catechism 1501, which talks about illness can mm-hmm. lead to anguish, self, self-absorption mm-hmm. and despair and even revolt against God. Mm-hmm. But it can also um, make a person more mature, help them to really turn towards God and really discern what is essential in this life. And that this very illness actually can provoke a search for God or provoke a return to him or a drawing closer to him. Right. And so there could be this question of in this illness, in this suffering, Lord, why have you abandoned me? Mm -hmm. But in Mm -hmm. fact, maybe it is our Lord allowing this to happen so that we can turn towards him, that we can become more mature in his love. I think that's the you just mentioned the crux of the issue. Yeah. So many people suffer and they're 
angry about their suffering and that's okay. And I don't think they think to offer to ask to say to Lord, I'm really angry about this. I'm really upset that I have to go through this and I feel horrible right now. But then you are still turning to him, right? And asking the Lord to soften that for you and to give you the strength to get through it versus anger at it. It's a difference. And I don't think a lot of people know how to do that in the moment, Mm. perhaps. And it's very difficult. Right. And Mm -hmm. to not be afraid to give God all of your emotions, right? He can handle them. That, that, okay, even if you are feeling abandoned by him, go to him and say, Lord, I feel abandoned by you. I give this to you. I offer this to you. Help me. And he'll receive that, right? He -hmm. wants us to do that. And, you know, there's also, we haven't talked about the sacraments of the church and how they relate to this, correct? Mm -hmm. And there's so much strength in the sacraments of the church. That's right. And so the anointing of the sick. Absolutely. Mm. Very important. It always helps. Absolutely right. And Father Daniel shared a story before we went on this morning uh, about a visit that you made to to a, a man that was getting ready to pass. Incredible, really. Uh, some of the Eucharistic Extraordinary Ministers of Holy Communion at the parish were t- tasked with going to the hospital to bring Holy Communion, make visits, uh, because it's so you know there's so much to be done as a priest. It's it's hard to be. You'd love to be able to do that, but you you know how mm-hmm. big is a hospital? How many people? But so it's a beautiful thing, especially in this day and age, where the lay faithful can be commissioned to help to be kind of the arms and and extend that welcome. And then communicate back what the needs are. So he had made, in his rounds, he'd gone to one room of a Catholic. And the person, it was a, a shared room with another bed. And the person in the other bed was not Catholic, but said, I, I want to become Catholic. Wow. And, and uh, God bless this EM because, you know, people may just say that or whatever. But, he, you know, it really impressed upon his heart. I need to bring this to the attention of a father, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so um, I went to go and visit this man. His name is Michael Highfield. And uh, he, he, he looked, he was very thin. He looked kind of like Willie Nelson. I don't know, the, you know, just kind of a, a body, just kind of drawn, withdrawn, these piercing blue eyes, kind of mis- uh, tattoos, kind of, uh, and, and I remember him, uh, so I went to meet him and I said, you know, okay, you want to become Catholic? Why Catholic versus XYZ Christian or whatever's going on? And, uh, he, you know, I remember, so he, as he's speaking with me, he has this big, styrofoam cup and i don't want to gross out the listeners especially if you're consuming breakfast at this moment (laughs) but you know he's spitting into this cup uh blood Mm. okay uh and he said the catholics had always been good to me and and i'm hoping that in reckons i he said i've been a bad man my whole life and i want to get right with god Mm. okay and so i was able to uh to uh to baptize him and to bring him into the church, um, just to kind of make the story short, and he passed maybe two weeks later. His first mass was uh, his funeral mass, oh, which was wow. held at the cathedral. Um, he uh, and, and I found online afterwards his rap sheet. He really was, you know, he did time. He was incarcerated. He was a bad man, but in the end, he gave his, you know, he gave and surrendered his life to Christ. And the miracle happened. He was again, I think, hoping for the miracle that he could be cured of his stage four lung cancer. Mm-hmm. but God gave them something even more, right? Mm-hmm. That sin and death, that that be the end for him, mm-hmm. you know, and his, his, his passing was peaceful, joy-filled. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, one of our third order Mercedarians was, was gifted to be in the moment there as he, as he passed. 
and he was you know seeing angels and explaining things that he was seeing it's beautiful and and, and peaceful passing a, a man much different than the one that i had met in the hospital bed who was mm. very anxious very you know uh distraught Mm. Father Daniel Bowen and Angela Bonfont here in the cafe with Amanda and Dave Worsborn. I want to take this a moment to encourage our friends not to wait until the final moments, <laughs> right? Yeah. To, yeah. To, 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 to reach out to a priest for this anointing. Anointing of the sick should be, um, you just got a diagnosis of something. If you're going to be put under for any, even, even wisdom teeth. No, I'm serious. But, oh, no, no. Have the priest make the anointing of the sick. We love to give the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. If your priest is for some reason hesitant, I've, call me, <laughs> my holy family, because it's a beautiful sacrament. And it's not, it is for the moment of death, yes, in the passing. And it's not just going to be for a little boo boo, but, you know, something that could be, you know, uh, something where, you know, God may call you home. We do want to get anointed. You know, we want to have that healing. Again, God uh, is a healer, right? Jesus is a healer. St. Luke, whose feast we celebrate today, a doctor, a physician who yeah, knew the medicine and the art of healing, but all the healing he recognizes, any good uh, medical pra- practitioner would, it's Christ who heals through me or with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to seek that anointing of the sick, and it can be done at, at your home if you're not able to get out. A priest, we can come to your home or your hospital or your hospice, or, or, or if you're able to come to the church, we're happy to do that. And if your family's able to be uh, uh, there and available, they're welcome to participate in the responses. It's a very beautiful, if you've never experienced anointing of the sick, it's a very beautiful um, sacrament, uh, one of the most powerful. And again, since um, the reforms of the Second Vatican, uh, you know, Paul VI really was hoping to kind of bring it back to where it kind of strayed off. Mm-hmm. If we go to the letter of James, he talks about if someone's sick to call for the priest and have him anointing and praying over them. And it, and we yes, but it, it becomes somehow by in the 50s and 60s, kind of only when you're about to die. Only, that's the only time. And no. he said, no, no, no. Go look at the scriptures. It's kind of veered off. It's not just then. It's It's to be more prevalent and more useful. Even age. If you're at advanced age, you're in your 80s, to be anointed periodically is is a good thing to do, you know, and we encourage that, you know. I've even seen it for um, suffering anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah. Mental illness. Mental illness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Once my husband was, uh, Bobby's going to be mad at me, but he was in the hospital with diverticulitis. (laughs) Sorry, honey. And um, he had been in there for several days and just wasn't getting through it. And I kept saying, we need to call Monsignor and have him come give you an anointing. And he kept saying, I don't want to bother him. You know, I don't want to put him out. And finally, I just said, you know what, we're going to, I'm just going to call him. If he's busy, that's okay. There it is. Yeah. Um, But if he's not, and perhaps he'll come over and he came over and anointed him. And I swear to you, my husband walked out of the hospital that afternoon. It's one of my favorite sacraments. Yes. Uh, the anointing of the sick, you know, mm-hmm. confession, of course, also. And mm-hmm. it's part of the ritual as well. Of so. healing, right? <laughs> yeah. Sacraments of healing. Yeah. yeah. And I, ideally, if it can be celebrated in such manner, um, in that anointing of the sick can be confession, mm-hmm. the actual anointing, right? With oil blessed by our bishop, which is the uh, apostle among us. It's a connection to Jesus, but then also uh, a communion. Mm-hmm. And it's like a trifecta, you know, that's shoot mm-hmm. you to the moon right you know it's it's a beautiful beautiful powerful uh moment and encounter with god as it's meant to be and that is to help with the healing yes physical healing and there can be miracles boom like i went to the doctor and everything's cleared up and i can't explain it but more importantly that's mm-hmm. that spiritual healing that that moral 
healing. You know, that no, I am now reconciled with God. Come what, whatever the situation, however it resolves, God is with me in this. I know that. And I go forward boldly, joyfully, mm-hmm. peacefully. Yes. And it's still surrendering to the will of the Lord. Absolutely. Because it's what he wants to do through the sacrament. That's it. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And accepting that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And loving that outcome. For our non-Catholic friends that that are listening. Well, of course, I'm a convert, so I would encourage you to look into Catholicism. (laughs) And and, no, seriously, and and think about it. it. You know, if you're already a Christian, you're already more than half the way there. But there's something in the fullness of the faith. Uh, you know the full you want the full gospel church really it's it's catholicism and um you know approach a catholic maybe uh, visit the catholic church talk with the priest or talk with some of the lay faithful there uh they have the ocia program that helps to educate you about the church you know the the but if you want to find out about the church i mean you could go online and ask eight million people but the better thing is just to come to the church yourself and ask her who are you and what are you doing what is this about and um You'll be pleasantly surprised that some of the things that you've heard about us aren't true. Some of the, the things that seem negative, do we worship statues? No, you know. Right. Um, but it's, uh, there's such a beautif- beautiful thing there. I mean, there's, there's more than just baptism. Not that baptism isn't important. It's, it's, it's the, the ticket in to begin with. But the but church has all these other helps along the way of your whole lifespan to be confirmed that the Holy Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and Christ of Jesus Christ, making total sense of John chapter six, total sense that we eat his flesh and drink his blood to, to remain one in him, to be the branches on the vine. Um, but then, yeah, the anointing of the sick confession, you know, uh, and, um, even matrimony, holy orders. Sure. Got to throw those in there. Right. Can I, um, say something else too. There's probably a large number of people out there that may be fallen away from the Catholic church. I'll come back home. And, and what <laughs> I have you. found, I know what I have found in talking to people over and over again is they have been hurt in some way or disagree with mm. the teaching or perhaps have just gotten kind of lazy. Right. And just ended up and not, we going. don't judge. We will not we judge. Do not judge. And they think we do though. And so, I, I would invite you to to consider just coming to mass, maybe go to confession, yeah. um, avail yourself of the sacraments. And one thing I learned over the years is if you surrender to the teachings and say to yourself, I'm going to I'm going to go with this. I'm going to just go with this, whether or not I think it's something that should be taught this way. And what I have found is that the Lord reveals to you the truth mm. over time. And yeah. no one has to force you to believe something. No one has to convince you. Um, but these teachings are beautiful. And the faith really does allow all sufferings, all good, all bad, to have a, a meaning in Christ. And, and we're talking about suffering today. I would encourage everyone, such an accessible document, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and specifically look at these paragraphs beginning around 1500, continuing on through 1505, 1506. Mm-hmm. All of this is right there. And it's such, again, it's something that you can bring to prayer and helps you to grasp at least a part of this mystery. I mean, there's so much that will only be revealed through that union with God, the union with Christ and, and through prayer. But it's such an accessible starting point Mm-hmm. And as we read in in the document, 
God expects the questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And listens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would invite even our, our non-Catholic friends, you know, this you, this you don't have to show your Catholic card to access this document written by John Paul. Don't be afraid to read it. You know, don't be afraid to read it because it's coming from a Catholic source. Have a look at it mm. and pray with it. I pray with it and see, you know, what God might want to bring to you from it, you know. And again, if it does raise some questions, some things, well, I'm not sure about that, you know. Uh, bring it to a, 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 a trusted friend that you know that's, that's Catholic, you know, or even your own pastor. He may have some, well, I never heard of this. Of course, you know, oftentimes there seems to be this almost this wall between Catholicism and our, and our separated brethren, but that doesn't need to be so, you know, and, and truth is truth, right? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So we needn't be afraid. And, and today, I think the church is giving us another wonderful example through Pope Francis. We're oh, yes. being invited into his suffering as as he ages, and That's you right. see him more and more in a wheelchair or with a cane. But the, also look look at his writings and look mm-hmm. at what he's taught on suffering. Uh, it, it's just beautiful. So there's this continuity yeah. uh, that the church offers throughout our history. And these are all available online now. We are so blessed. First of all, I would assume most of us are literate, right? So, and and the again with your smartphone or laptop, all these the church doesn't charge. You can access these documents for absolutely free at the Vatican website, Vatican.va. If English isn't your main language, you can read it in Spanish, uh, or, or or Chinese or whatever might be, you know. And have the time to really pray and look at this, you know. Again, uh, again, these are great all great avenues to lead us to Christ and to to give these supports and help us on our way, you know. Mm-hmm. In our final six or seven minutes together, let's talk about prayer and suffering because we understand suffering through prayer, but through our sufferings, we also can go a lot deeper and grow in prayer. They, they really feed on each other and both are, are so necessary. Uh, you, you can't grasp this gift unless you have a prayer life and unless Mm. you're uniting yourself to Christ. So Father Angela, what are some practical things that you've learned through your life, through your ministry about the connectedness of prayer and suffering? Well, I'm in formation to become a spiritual director. And one of the things that we talk a lot about is prayer is just a conversation with God. And so I wouldn't get caught up in being perfect at prayer or in reciting just prayers to recite prayers. Although if it's a good starting point, that's great. But prayer is really about just being in conversation with the Lord and throughout your day, asking the Lord, what do you want from me here? Um, Here, I'm going to offer this to you. And when you're suffering, I call it this. I always say it's the most powerful prayer you will offer. When you say, I am going to offer my deep, heartbreak or my back pain or my surgery surgical pain or my emotional pain and I'm going to give this to you Lord and I often see it as a crystal being offered to the Lord and he's absorbing it into himself and he takes that suffering and you say to him I'm going to offer this for my brother or my sister or the church or whoever is asking for your prayers and I just see him transforming that offering into something beautiful, whether that be strength or healing 
or whatever his will is in that moment mm. for that person. And it's the miracles that will abound. All you have to do is look for them. And mm. sometimes we forget to look and see the miracles that are happening around us. Do you have anything to add to that? Ah, you, you said it wonderfully. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, prayer is so important. It's key. You know, I often will, will advise folks, you know, every day you get up, you drink something, right? At least water. Right. Mm-hmm. Every day we, we probably have something to eat. Maybe maybe there's a day of fast where we don't eat anything. It's probably pretty rare. But mm-hmm. normally we eat and drink every day. Prayer needs to be there. <laughs> it needs mm-hmm. to be like that. It, it's got to be something. I don't let a day go by that I don't at least take a moment to turn to our Lord at least once. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you get to the point of where every moment is a prayer where you're just being aware of God in the people that you're meeting, the circumstances that are surrounding you. That's, that's really what we're shooting for. Mm-hmm. But to begin, and again, I think sometimes... Uh, you know, we, we sometimes are at a very childish kind of level of prayer. Maybe maybe we, we, you know, we just kind of didn't really follow the faith after our first communion or after confirmation, and, and it didn't really become real or deep for us. And again, that's okay. I mean, circumstances, different things happen, but our Lord wants you to be a mature Christian, a deep, to have deep conversation with you at a, at a, a huge level, not just you know, cursory, just basic, not just when only when you need something, but how you recognize that mm-hmm. every moment's a gift. I'm here because of God and because of you. And you're, you're in my life. I want you in my life. And I want to be part of that life and, and vice versa, which is what he wants. So, it, you know, there's that movement always throughout our life to being selfish to becoming selfless. It may take the whole, you know, some of us maybe are short, you know, so that's, again, it may seem weird, but sometimes when people are very young and they die, we think what a tragedy, but sometimes I, I have to say, maybe not. If mm-hmm. they were ready, God takes them at two years old. God takes them as a stillborn. God takes them, maybe it's, they're ready. God's ready. You can look at blessed Carlos Acuti, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Look in his short yeah. life, what, mm-hmm. you know, what uh, he was able to do and is continuing to do, right? From his, you know, from where he is now, even uh, in, right. in God's um, blessedness. Um, so the summons is for us to always to grow, to go mature and to be deeper. Again, we're conforming ourselves to Christ and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's patient, mm-hmm. he's persistent and he's absolutely trustworthy. 100%. Even if we've been tr- betrayed by others, you know, in our walk, um, um, if we, but can unfold ourselves to our Lord. And again, he knows if we've been hurt in some ways by other people, we can be hesitant uh, especially our world, right? Teaches us to just be this, your own man kind of thing. But that's not really Christianity, you know? And my encouragement would be to have prayers on your lips often, mm-hmm. whether it's the Hail Mary yeah. or Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Practice those prayers because that time will come when words don't come to you, whether yeah. it's in a high yeah. anxiety, a lot of stress, Mm-hmm. severe pain have those ready mm-hmm. and and just bring it bring mm-hmm. it to the lord yes friends thanks for being with us today great to have you with us amanda glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be a world without end amen god bless you all we'll be back tomorrow at eight